Ladies and gentlemen, and low lives. And we're back for another episode of Meatball Thoughts. Tomas here. Uh, no John this week, but uh, I have a very special guest. <laughs> this is fucking mouth shit to me. Uh, sorry, I said I wasn't going to try and curse too much. Um, I done goofed. But, a uh, very special guest, uh, kindred spirit, good friend of mine, uh, and roommate, Benjamin Lemieux. Oh, you did it in French. Yeah, right. Wow. Right? Very nice. I know. Spanish Spanish kid can actually pronounce French words. Warm welcome. <laughs> uh, thank you for sitting down. Um, like I've said in the past before, and the whole reason why I asked you, this, asked you to do this, um, we're both in the industry. We're both very, um, I would consider, very hospitable people. <laughs> um, you probably a little more dialed in than myself. Mine, my style is a little goofier. Well, it's also the. We're, so we come from slightly different backgrounds. So it's back of house, front of house. Yes. There's always going to be a slightly different uh, dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, like I said before, when we were just talking about what what I'd like to talk about, what you'd like to talk about, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I I think you are. Um, I mean, and like I said, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is I think you are. Uh, a very, a very well executed person in hospitality. From everything that everything that I hear from people that that I know that know you, um, whether it be Christina Vieira or others, they they speak very highly of you. Um, and I guess my first question is, first and maybe most important, maybe not, how or why hospitality? Okay. Give us give us a little a little rundown of because you didn't start in front of house when you were twelve years old. No. So how how did <laughs> you how did you get into the game? Uh, well, first of all, this is a very kind introduction. Uh, I, so try thank- to, I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> we try not we we try not to abuse or, or badger our guests here right off the bat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the meatballs the meatballs really appreciate when I don't just start screaming into the microphone. <laughs> And saying, this person sucks! <laughs> but, like, thanks for sitting down. Here's this jar of jam. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so why, why hospitality? Um, I, had, I had moved to a new city. Um, so I decided at 25, mm-hmm. uh, having completed... Late in the game. Yeah. Com- um, comparatively to, yeah. to most people. I, I, I kind of, I had, I had this idea of what I wanted to be growing up. I wanted to be a lawyer. And I realized about, I don't know, 60% into my first degree that, and well, now only degree, um, that that's not what I wanted. So a lot of, a lot of like my career trajectory has been, my career trajectory has, has been a bit scattered. So at right away after college, I wanted to do the most opposite to college thing that I could. So I was in, uh, so I went into the infantry for three years, and having done that, I then decided that I wanted to live overseas, mm. um, and I wanted to try something different from Canada, which I hadn't done before. Mm. So I moved to the UK. Ballsy. Um, I mean, I people. Mean, 
people kept saying that it was a brave decision, but it didn't feel like it at the time. Mm. I was just ticking bosses, you know, getting the visa, um, booking a ticket, deciding what of, which of your things go into storage and which of your things you want with you. Yeah. Uh, when you're doing it, 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 it doesn't feel like that at all, really. It just yeah. kind of feels I mean, I, I only know because I have, like, friends that have literally moved from other countries. You've met them. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and your sister lives lives overseas as well. My sister lives in Germany. You know, my best friend Leah is from Scotland. Like, yeah. it takes a toll on, 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 on I think, the mind and, and the heart. Or it can. Hmm. It can. So maybe maybe you had a, a stronger sense of self than yeah. than some do at that age. The well, the, if if I can if I can do a brief segue, definitely the hardest part was that I um, I was single for much of that year, mm. and then I went to Ottawa to submit my paperwork uh, for for the visa. Yeah, um, which was basically like. It, it, it was it was I don't want to say rubber stamp but like I, I I was sure that I filled out everything correctly I paid all the right fees so it, it was going to get approved mm. it was never like I was going to England uh, it was never okay. a question yeah. and the next day I went to a house party at my buddy Mike Klein's house yeah. and met somebody and it, it's kind of strange starting a relationship that you know is finite that you know has a very mm. firm end date um so that that was the heart. That was actually it does, it does mess with your mind. I've, I've that was that was done actually, that, I've yeah. done that once before, and you're like, it's a strange experience. This is literally ending on this day. It's a very strange experience. So like, even though the relationship was going well, like mm-hmm. it it was always going to end on on January thirteenth. Like that was that was mm. the end date. Um, was it a Friday? That, was it a Friday as well? Because that'd be awesome. Mm, I don't think it was. Okay, <laughs> Friday. The 13th, anyway, that, like we're that, that was the most difficult part about leaving Canada. Mm. Uh, but everything else felt reasonably easy. Hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, I got carried away. Sidebar. There. That's fine. <laughs> I do. I literally do it all the time. Like, there's a good, there's a, there's a good chance I'm gonna interrupt you during this. Like, not intentionally in, or in, in a malicious way, but like, just like, oh, that's cool. This. But uh, sorry. England. Moved to the UK. I, I moved to England. I had one friend who was my college roommate who lived there doing her master's. Mm. But she wrapped that up and got a really good job in Ireland uh, maybe a week or two after I arrived. Ah. So I was with Mary Louise for maybe two months. Um, just like crashed on her couch. She helped me find a place. Uh, and then she moved. So I was, I was in London wow. by myself living in a shared house with strangers uh, right off the bat. And I didn't know a soul. It was kind of, it was odd. Yeah. And maybe that's where it started to sink in a little more. And you're like, Ooh, that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like still sort of texting back and forth with my now ex, which was also a strange relationship to manage because we, we still got along, um, and had feelings for each other, but we, you know, we Mm -hmm. couldn't be in a relationship. So, so that's, so all of this is happening. And I said, I need to get out of my house while I'm looking for work in, in my field of choice, which at the time was journalism and editorial, mm. I said, you know what, I'll try and get a few shifts at a local pub um, to, to make friends and meet the neighborhood. Barback, that kind of jazz. No, I went straight to bartender. Straight? I went straight to bartender. There, I, I, I applied to a few different pubs. Um, it, it, like nothing crazy, just like pouring beers and, yeah. and running, you know, roast dinners to tables. Yeah. Um, not rocket science. And a general manager... Took my CV, um, and I owe him a lot, actually. Cédric Chervet, uh, really good dude. Took my CV. He said, he told me later, you know what? You didn't have the experience that I was looking for, mm. but I liked your vibe. 
Um, you seemed like you had a good work ethic, so I hired you. Mil- military background. There's maybe like a like a discipline level to it that he could ascribe to you. I'm not even sure if it was that. I think I just the way that I came in and. I mean, you you carry yourself quite confidently. Yeah, just like firm to, handshake. To someone who doesn't know firm you, firm handshake, like, good boom, posture. My CV was well organized. Yeah. Um, kind of like these detail touches that we look for in hospitality that, mm-hmm. well, that I now know we look for in hospitality that this guy liked in me. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, that was my first job was working at a pub called the Three Crowns in, in Stoke Newington. Three in Crowns? In North London. Jesus. Yeah. So. But isn't in England there's only one crown? No. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. she's never giving it up. No. She's, she's still going. Dude, she'll. Talk about worth, work ethic. Queen E. <laughs> She's, uh, she's, she's a juggernaut. Yeah, she's out here. Yeah, she's, uh, she, she's awesome. I'm, I'm a big fan, actually. I'm not, I, I won't say outright that I'm a, a big fan or, or staunch supporter of the monarchy or anything like that, but I think that, uh, you know, I think that there's value in having an apolitical uh, head of state in mm-hmm. a country that has as much, you know, cultural and, and political clout as, as the UK does. Yeah. Um, and I think she does a good job of it. Okay, I, I know next to nothing about the about the Queen or the royal family, other than like the pop culture shenanigans <laughs> that that they get up to. It's, and I'm like, it's, I don't. It's, yeah, but it's it's anyways. a much more loaded issue in the UK than it is here, undoubtedly. And and people people yeah people people still worship them over there. I mean, there's some people here in North America yeah, that yeah. that love them to death. And but also a lot of people of our generation have are, have gone in the other direction completely mm-hmm. and say that it's um that it's 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 an institution that's of a bygone era that too much tax taxpayer money is is spent on it mm. um and also also there's, the, there's an argument for it yeah and, and also also the monarchy owns a fair amount of land in the uk and that's where most of their income comes from um and and that and that land ownership dates back to you know feudal um, yeah, yeah. To a feudal period in, in in the UK's history, but anyway, we're getting carried away again. Yeah, again, um, I mean, we, I, I, we, we, we talk in tangents all the time. Yeah. In our house, so it's like <laughs> yeah. it's not a, it's not going to be uncommon for us to, uh, to to get lost. But yeah, m- 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 much as I'm happy to talk about the monarchy, I, I, I'm not sure that's why people <laughs> listen to your show. <laughs> so I'll get back on topic. I promise. Um, you start getting the few shifts. Yeah. So I, I no, he hired me full time. I was doing seven shifts a week. Oh shit! Straight into the deep end. Let's go. Sir. Yeah. Um, and then See, that's that's a, that's a very. I mean, but that's that's a hospitality mentality right there. You're like sink or swim. Let's ride. Can yeah. You, can you do it or can you not? Like, yeah. Let's go. Hundred yeah. percent. And uh, so I, I owe a lot to Cedric for that. And then there's a second person to whom, like, who I'm sure barely or doesn't remember me, but m- the course of my life was irrevocably changed because of this guy, Hasib Ur-Rehman, who was a local guy, uh, somebody from Stoke Newington, who came into the bar one evening, I think in February or March 2011 this is, Mm -hmm. and ordered an old-fashioned for me. Can you produce an old-fashioned? And I couldn't because... I, you know, I was behind the bar for a month and I was mostly pulling pints. So yeah. no. And he kind of talked me through it in the middle of a sort of medium busy Saturday or Friday rather drink service. Yeah. Um, and later this guy also helped me find a day job that ended up sponsoring me in the UK for four years. Oh, wow. um, and, and really not like 
not like we sat down in front of a computer and looked at want ads for an hour. Like he just said, oh, you should work for this company. My wife, my wife was there and, uh, um, you know, y- yeah, you know how to write. They look for writers. So, so this one guy kind of st- started me on this cocktail path and also helped me find the job that would end up keeping me in the UK for, um, you know, for, for five years. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, one of, one of those chance encounters that really changed things for me. So those are those are always lovely though because you're like yeah. I know exactly when this uh, yeah. deviated to this path or not yeah. not deviated but like created this this avenue this yeah it's and especially if you're if you're in tune enough to like be paying attention to that then yeah. it's like oh yeah this this guy is legitimately throwing me a bone here and, and yeah. this is something I and, need to and take and you can I I mean I can see the change. The, like the change in my life that the course of my life mm-hmm. life took as a result of that acquaintanceship. Yeah. This guy has no idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. guy has no idea that the ripple effect that those encounters had on me. Uh, but mean, but yeah, I, imagine, I'll tell you, if I imagine he was just he was a nice guy and he's yeah, like he's a nice dude. I'm gonna be nice. This guy's nice. Yeah, just be nice and like, he's, he's, good stuff happens. Yeah, he's just <laughs> he's just like a, a friendly, happen. chatty guy from Edinburgh who uh, you know who who. No who I would bump into around Stokey and was always help, happy to lend a hand. Mm. So if I if I'm in Stokey and I see him again, I'll, I'll have to buy him a beer. That's for sure. Yeah, or scotch. Um, yeah. From from for after the three crowns, I ended up working uh, for a company called Barworks, mm. uh, which owns maybe a dozen or twenty sites uh, throughout Greater London, mm-hmm. and they were a very good company to work for. Had an excellent training program. Um, really, really great operations manager at the time called uh, Alexander Walpert, who mm. went on to start his own gin company called uh, East London Liquor Company. Uh, those I of you heard of that company. They're terrific. Not, those that, I, not that I drink gin anymore, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> yeah. but I have definitely heard of that company. Um, cool. Yeah, so, so great training program, really adamant about having an interesting and, and diverse back bar, mm. and brands on the rail that not many people had heard of before. Um, and that's where I really kind of developed an interest in craft spirits and in uh, cocktails mm. was through that company uh, where I also spent around three or four years. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's go fast forward. You're back, you're back in Canada now. Yep. Yeah. So I, mo- I moved back to Canada in 2016 and in short order made the decision to transition from my day job, which was writing and editing and, mm-hmm. and sort of B2B uh, markets analysis, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to bartending full time. Yeah, you're like let's let's dive in. I mean, the amount of it is it is, it does blow my mind, um, or at least it, it did when I first uh, when I first met you. Because so I was like, this guy has a better home bar than almost any restaurant bar I've seen. Almost, almost. There there's definitely there's you know there's a couple dozen in the city mm-hmm. that like. You, you can't hold a flame to because you're just like I don't even know how they get that boost well I don't even have the capital to yeah exactly <laughs> right but it's like but the, the 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 quality of your home bar is like clearly you dove so deep you were just like let's let's go I want to I want to develop develop my palate develop my knowledge hmm. begin to understand the intricacies of spirits or of beer or I mean even your your wine choices are are, are pretty I don't want to say eclectic. Maybe that's the wrong word. But like, you're 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 an adventurous person when it comes to your alcohol, for sure. Uh, I don't know if I'd qualify it necessarily as 
adventurous, but no? curiosity is definitely something okay. that benefited me a lot in this trade. Mm. And yeah, I mean, my one of my main recommendations to aspiring bartenders would be to do just that, just what I did, mm. which is to try as many new things as you can, go to every training, uh, develop a, a home bar so you can practice making cocktails for yourself mm-hmm. on a weeknight. Um, like, don't go buck wild with it, but yeah, but like, know, on, on a try, Wednesday, try it. Drink one or two cocktails, or like half a cocktail, and just like you're just trying it, right? Yeah, the I, amount of times you've told me you're like, I don't drink every cocktail I try. Well, I'm like that's a good ass point. Okay, <laughs> when, when I was in my twenties and and had like less income I, I was definitely finishing those drinks okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now that I'm a bit more you know financially secure and and you know I, I, I have a, a job with a you know a large spirits brand I can afford to you know test cocktails yeah. uh, and, and not finish them because it's you know 2 p.m. on a Wednesday but back, back when I was a bartender and I worked the J, the day job mm. you know on a, on a Wednesday I would I would I would buy a punnet of raspberries and just bash out a bunch of clover clubs and mm. try making the drink a handful of different ways um, using different you know different techniques as mm. well as different uh, specs for the cocktail and and really dial in those classic drinks and I think that's something that served me well during my career I actually I think back in 2015 or 16 I can't remember I, I had a trial shift at a, at a place in Clapham Junction in South London called the powder keg diplomacy and the bar manager there, a lovely guy called James, offered to hire me just because my gin sour was so dialed in. And the mm-hmm. table that I sent it out to reordered two more times. Let's um, go. So just, yeah, just, yeah. just those like small detail like this guy's classics or, or this person's classics are dialed in. Of, of, of your classics could that be, are dialed could be in? Make, could, could be like make or break if you're yeah. on a trial shift, you know? That's a good ass point. Um, of, of your classics that you know and love and and can make well what do you think what do you think your best is i mean definitely not a martini it's kind of (laughs) no we've talked about this before one classic that i have eternal struggles with um it's an ironic one because it's not my favorite drink by any means i I maybe drink once or one or two a year uh it's an old-fashioned Really? I think just by virtue of having made so many of them, because it is the most popular cocktail in the world. Repetition. By now. Yeah. yeah. I've done so many of them. I've, I've thought about as many different ways as you can make this drink. Um, it, it's the mm. drink that definitely has gotten me a lot of attention when I was, well, at bars that I've worked at. Um, half, of the, half of the Google reviews that are about a, a spot that I've worked at that are about me specifically or that mention me or about my old fashioned. Okay. Um, I just—it's there. It's dialed. Um, yeah. It, it's you there. don't. You don't. You, you're like, I'm good. I can, I don't have to touch that one. Yeah. Um, Is that why the martini frustrates you so much? Because you're like, if this was an old fashioned, I would be crushing this. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> the, the martini just has a lot more. It has. I find it. It's a drink that has a lot. There are more permutations, um, because it isn't just a ratio of like spirit to sugar to bitters. Yeah. It's it's con- also it's a conversation between gin and vermouth, and depending on which gin and which vermouth you're working with, yeah. the drink can take a lot of different forms. Mm. Um, most of the variants that you're dirty, getting, how dirty you want it, how many olives, how many yeah, I mean then you you becomes all this personal preference stuff that isn't a ratio anymore. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so I think the martini, just by virtue of having 
there, there, there are so many different, there are, one of my favorite books about cocktails is uh, Cocktail Techniques by Kazuo Uyeda. And he says, you know, show me a hundred different bartenders and I'll show you a hundred different martinis. Hey. Um, an old fashioned isn't going to vary that much. Hmm. Um, people might use craft syrups or different bitters, but really the bones of the drinker can remain it's the same. Yeah. Uh, martinis can really go in a lot of different direction and I haven't figured it out yet. I haven't, after 10 years of bartending, I haven't cracked it. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So you get back, you back, sorry, you get back to Canada. Hmm. Um, you start at, uh, did you go straight to, um, what's it called, on Gerard there? Maple Leaf? No. No. I moved back to Montreal for a year. Okay. I worked at a handful of okay bars where I was quasi-comfortable but not super. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up at the Cloakroom Bar in the Golden Square Mile in downtown Montreal where I stayed for probably around nine months. Okay. Uh, and that was a great bar to work at. It's a wonderful, like, old greystone uh, on Mountain Street. And the bar was kind of nestled. It used to be a tailor shop, and I think he had, like, a dry cleaning service or, I don't know. There, there was basically a broom closet that was behind the tailor shop, mm-hmm. and they converted this broom closet into a 25-seat bar. Okay. So the tailor shop is still there. Um, Sasha owns it now, and he, he does made-to-measure uh, Japanese uh, suits and shirts. Oof. Barber shop in the back, uh, very elegant boutique. Yeah. And then there's a panel um, that opens, a hidden panel. Like speakeasy and, vibes. Correct. Yeah. Ah. And you just walk into this beautiful, very like film noir, stylish, minimalist, classy uh, lady, classy lady kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If if you bring a first date there, they will be very impressed. Ah, okay. Anybody who visits Montreal, great spot. Yeah. Um, and I think they're allowed to have people indoors there now, which is wonderful because yeah, it's a, yeah, they're they're back to it's a terrific space. They're back it's, to indoor it's, spaces. It's a really terrific space. Um, with a very firm sense of aesthetic, which is important. Mm -hmm. So I was there for uh, almost a year doing, uh, it's all like no menu, no speed rail, no ice well, like all hand-cut ice, uh, all all freestyle drinks. What do you want? What do you want? I'll make it for you. Everything bespoke. Like it was was wild, particularly on a busy night. Like it was wild. Also a lot of like hockey guys would would hang out there. So a lot of NHLers would just rock up at the bar on a casual Thursday and... uh, Bring a puck bunny and they'd roll. No, no. they Solo. Guys night. Uh, It was a big like hockey guys night spot. Really? I mean, yeah. I feel like that's got to be that's got to be pretty classic for Montreal. It's like hockey is Montreal. Yeah, like the culture. So, it, like, yeah. also big shout out to Canadians. They're they're going to come back from three one. I mean, it's here's an up, open. It's, here's it's, an, it's, an up, it's an uphill battle for the Habs, but they they had a solid game uh, last night. So, yeah. but um, but like, really, guys' night. If yeah. for, for a spot that is as like. Like dialed in is what you're describing. It, it seems like it would be the ultimate like date spot. I you, or not so much. Or, no, or it, it touched on a few different demographics, so it just kind of worked that way. Yeah, um, you you could go there for date night. You could also go there for like highly doubt there was a, te- a television in there. There was, but it was behind a two way mirror. Shut up. So <laughs> this place had like because it was right behind the Ritz Carlton as well. It okay. was it was in like a swish neighborhood. Okay, and. 
they had like a sports package. I don't know why. But this bar had a sports <laughs> package like you... that the Ritz didn't have. And uh... celebrities, like VIP celebrities, like Roger Waters from, from Pink Floyd, okay. actually oh, came down from the hotel. That The concierge walked him over so he could sit in the bar at 2 p.m. when it was closed. Not open. Yeah, but so, like... so he could sit in the bar and watch the footy. It was a wild bar. Yeah, like so that sort of stuff would happen. What? That, yeah, yeah, that the Habs GM would come it's after games life. to like meet with his one of his like recruitment scouts or development mm. coaches or something really? like that. Okay, Players so... would come in after games or like after training to just hang out and have have beverages. Like yeah. It, it was, yeah. It, it, one of the owners would like ruled in those circles, and it, I just ended up kind of in a wow. a nice cocktail bar, but also a NHL bar. Yeah, I was like, um, you brush shoulders <laughs> with a crazy amount of professional athletes a, ha- a handful i wasn't or, there for very long but like crazy amount is a little among excess, among the yeah. nhlers there were like we had regulars which was interesting. i mean and you're you're from montreal you're, you're from quebec so as you're a habs fan yeah clearly yeah um so like I, that that's also got to be like holy crap and i met yeah i met a few like really really fun habs players that that, that was just nice encounters nice uh, mostly they just keep themselves to themselves but yeah. uh yeah. Well, because they're like they're they're all local celebrities. Like people will lose their. I imagine maybe not in that environment because it was what it was. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain environments, certain restaurants or places where like sure a lot of celebrities or something like that will go there. But then there isn't a culture of like no, you don't get up and take pictures or ask for autographs. Like yeah. the amount of the the amount of like Toronto celebrities like Blue Jays that would come in to restaurants I used to work at. Right. And like, you know, I I'd served Josh Donaldson um, some food at People's Eatery one time and like at the time he was one of the best third basemen in the league. Mm. And I was just like drop some food off of the table and say, Hey man, big fan. But like that's it. There was yeah. no there was no pictures. There was no Hey, can I get your autograph? Can I can I get a selfie? It's like none of that. So it sounds like that's kind of the that was kind of the vibe. It was like yeah. no, no, just be respectful per- and just like you can give you can dap them up or something like that and be like, hey, thanks for what you do for the team or something like that. But yeah. then move on. Particularly in a speakeasy where there's generally kind of a, there's like a tacitly implied mm. or understood etiquette. Where mm. like you don't you're not as I don't know in a speakeasy don't, compared don't to other fan girl or fanboy out or or just like approach other groups you're you're a bit more cautious of it you remember when the TTS was here I don't know if you ever you went there it was a members only on college uh, one of the first like I'm the only, OG I'm only a member of a gym so <laughs> it was one of the, it was the, one of the OG craft cocktail places in Toronto and a lot of great bartenders came through TTS, that program yes college and where uh, college and Grace like. Yeah, I do. I do remember. I never never went in, but I yeah. biked past it a thousand and one times when it existed. Yeah, v- very cool spot. And, and they actually had rules. Like mm-hmm. if you were a member, you had to follow by these rules. And, and they were quite... Wow. And the, like, yeah. So a lot, okay. of, a lot of early speakeasies, when, when speakeasies sort of came back in favor as a, as a pastiche or, or mm-hmm. what have you, um, a lot of them actually had, had rules for the members and for guests. Yeah. Like, you know... That makes uh, sense, though. You're like, yo... Yeah. Yeah. You, you come here for a specific reason. Yeah. You don't come here to be a goofball. Like, go to a pub if you want to do that. Or go to, a, you know, Fox and the Fill or some, something like that. Exactly. And you, and you, can, you yeah. can get drunk and yell and scream and they're not going to kick you out. Yeah, I feel like in a sports bar or in a pub, there's 
there's there's a lot more permissiveness about yeah. just sort of yeah, standing or, up, talking, chat, just chatting shit with other tables, that, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but that didn't really go down there, and it was also super dimly lit. And you know, yeah. one night, I think on a quieter night, we had Alex Galchenyuk in with another player, and he had his cap on, hoodie up. Nobody even recognized him. Hmm. I mean, you did because you're dialed in, but like, <laughs> you're like, I, I know who you are. I mean, when he's, when he's ordering and he's two feet away from you, like, yes, you recognize him. But, uh, you know, they, they just had quiet drinks, kept themselves to themselves. Nobody, nobody, you know, hounded them or anything. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. And, and, uh, and then I moved to Toronto in 2017. And like you said, I started working at the Maple Leaf Tavern, mm-hmm. uh, which is a fun century building at Gerard and Pape Avenue across from Gerard Square. Which I maintain is the best mall in Toronto. Fight me. If you see me on the street, that's let's aggressive. Let, that's let, aggressive. <laughs> maybe, maybe we don't give our address out because uh, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to wake up to I mean, a I mean, big old smash and. No, 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 I mean like verbal sparring. Like I, I will, I hey, will get at me. I will, <laughs> I will argue this one thoroughly with anybody who approaches me. Gerard Square is the best mall in Toronto. Um, yeah, yeah. For for what it is, it's the best mall. I think, one but like, hey. but like, what, what more do you want from? What more do you want? There's like, there's a grocery store. There's a you know, a crappy Gaming. Walmart. There's a Home Depot if you're into that. Yeah, into supporting that. Um, yep. There's EB Games. There, there's there's betting. There's a winners. There's a winners. There there's go. a Staples. There's a 24 hour gym. Some this, of the this, best Caribbean be, food in Toronto. This might be the most like switch to like silly conversation to adult. You're just like, I love these shops. <laughs> no, but this, this mall is legit good. No, I, 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 know, I know, I know, I know. I I'm, like I'm in, on your side. Here, I feel dog. like I'm in, on your side. In every other mall, you, the, every other mall in Toronto is so is such is so it's gargantuan. Glamorized. And you have the, like Yorkdale or yeah. Eaton Center, and it's just like they're really dull. You're up, not this fancy. Malls suck. But the like, paradox of choice <laughs> is such that there are so many different things there for you to buy, or so many different stores or departments. Also, the food court. They've got decent like. Decent. Gerard Square? Yeah. Jamaican food. Good mall sushi. Tropical Joe's is one of the best Caribbean restaurants in Toronto. I mean, there would definitely be some people who would fight you on that one. Really? Go to Eglinton West, yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, literally any restaurant in Eglinton West beats that place. That that place is catering to too many um, uneducated palates. For the the people that are in the area that know it's good, Mm. they'll go there. But, like, you can... Edmonton West from like like Edmonton Oakwood, that's that's where you want. If if you're downtown. Right. If not, then if you're in GTA, you know, there's some spots in Scarborough and stuff like that. But yeah. like um I'm still learning Toronto. I mean yeah, this, you've been here for longer than I have. So this is true. You know the then spots. you're probably what, three times longer? Mm-hmm. For what, four years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just uh, fourth year this April. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Congrats. Um this will be your Twelve in September. Lots of patties. <laughs> lots of snacks. Lots of greasy foods. Lots of roti in twelve years. Oh my god! No, I'm fucking. No, I'm starving. Sorry. <laughs> Trying not to swear so much. We'll get a roti after this. Um, <laughs> It'll be great. Perfect but, weather for it too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Um, sorry. Anyways, back back on topic. But then you, I mean, there's an element. Like clearly, there's there's from from what I'm gathering just from our conversation, like we've had many times before. But there's there's this through line that you've always you've kind of been like, this is me. This is how hard I can work. This is where I'm going, and this is the path I took. 
is there is there like is there a deviation where you're like man i really i could have i could have gone this way had i had i not been introduced to this person obviously you know the life changing Mm. back in england we get that but like is there is there a, a person where you're just like you know if i hadn't met this person and experienced maybe this personality in the industry like i might have a completely different outlook on like let's say the toronto food scene just specific to toronto oh specific to let's toronto. let's go specific toronto because i know that's a that's a far too broad spectrum you're like i'm sure you've met like you said a fair a fair amount of respectable people in montreal mm-hmm. and in the uk and here as well mm-hmm. um but like is there someone in toronto where you're like man i'm really glad i crossed paths with that person i'm really glad i crossed or that company yeah, uh, I think I think two two or three come to mind definitely. Um, one is somebody who you mentioned uh, earlier in this podcast, Christina Vieira. Vieira. Yeah, yeah. Um, because she's, she is like she's the woman to know. Well, she's just she's a game changer in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, one of which is I actually met her on a brand trip on the Hennessy brand trip in 2016. We went to France together. Cool. Um, you know, hung out in Paris for a few days. Went to the went to Bagnolet, went to the Chateau, and saw the cellars where they store, um, you know, Hennessy's Hennessy's liquid, which is terrific. Yeah. Um, and and we did a bit of we did a bit of bartending while we were there. We did that like a sort of like guest spot stuff. No, no, just like oh. a f- between between the five of us, we did a fun little kind of like black box exercise. Oh, cool. uh, where we had a pantry and they gave us a few items that we needed to use and we had to make a cocktail. Hmm. And all the drinks were interesting, but four of us did something that was fairly linear and approachable. Hmm. And her way of thinking about flavor or, or, or the drink, or she was just coming at it from a completely different angle. Hmm. It wasn't just thinking outside the box. There was no box. It, it, uh, was, it was its own thing. She's like, yeah, yeah, I see the box over there. I, I choose to... <laughs> to disregard that, <laughs> just her her way of thinking about drinks is is really unique and progressive. And um, when you say progressive and, about and, a drink, and what like, that was well, even mean to she, you? She well, she was also one of the people, one of the earlier people uh, proponents in Toronto for low ABV or no ABV cocktails. Oh. And she was thinking about it very seriously. I think she was at Harbord Room at a time when it wasn't on most people's radars. Yeah. Um, and she had, I, I think, she developed her own like non-alc menu there. Mm. Um, which at the time, you know, a venue that was fairly small couldn't bear a huge non-alc menu, but she had like four drinks or something. Mm. Um, anyway, just her, her, her thinking about drinks is, is light years ahead of anybody else for starters. And then she's also, as we all know, a huge um, like restaurant community organizer and yeah. beyond. She does a ton of philanthropic work. Yeah. Um, she, she's a WSET educator. Um, wow. She, She's amazing. I mean, these these are these are elements. I mean, I know she used to do the once a week. Um, all of, a bunch of proceeds would go from her at apartment two hundred to Nelly's. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I know, like, I like, I'm sure you you're closer with her, so you'd have a better understanding of it. But yeah, man, I was just always, 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 always. Yeah. She's um, she's just been that like, and 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 her energy is such where you're just like, oh, you're just. Not maybe better is certainly not. I wouldn't say she's like better than anybody else, but she's just she's on a different level. She's on a different level. Yeah, and I'll tell you another story. We were coming back from the Canadian national finals for Beef Eater mm. in I think 2017. Oof. There were three of us from Toronto. It's a rough gin. 
No offense. Beef I have eater. a lot of time for beef eater. Really? I, I mean, I did when I was it's, 19, 20. But it's like, one of then, the quintessential London dry gins, man. It's historic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. It's. I'm a big fan of Hendrix, or I, I was back in the day. But yeah, also good gin. But like beef eater is beef eater has a lot of history behind it and is is a great gin. And the guy who made it, James Burrow, lived in Toronto. He was a Torontonian. I know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, Less shade thrown on beef eater. <laughs> it's a nice sunny day out right now. Okay, just relax. Um, <laughs> but Christina, yeah, so we were there. It was myself from Toronto, myself and her and Jason Griffin. Okay. And we were flying back from a three-day experience in Vancouver where we've all been under stress. We've had some late nights, like lots of partying, um, full schedule all three days. We're flying back. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm, I've been tapped out for basically since the first day and she's texting bar managers being like i'll see if i can pick up a shift tonight she was just going yeah like just unstoppable don't those those are and those are the people that like look as as much as i want to say um i i hope this podcast pushes um certain elements of hospitality forward like mental health awareness or or Mm. things like that maybe um uh, addiction talk and stuff. I'm gonna release an episode next week of uh, of my own uh, two year anniversary situation with that. But like, I think to have someone like that, and there's there's a very select few people in the city, and honestly, no one else comes to mind right now. No. I'm like, nobody else touches what she can do. Like even even in the slightest. But this doesn't have to be a, a let's blow up Christina moment this is more of a yeah but just, um uh, yeah meet, yeah meeting more, somebody more of the stories I would love to sit down with her but I think she would dwarf me in conversation and just be like dude why am I here you're too you're she's too al- silly she's also I, I mean <laughs> she's also not like that yeah no I know she I know. yeah she's she's incredibly like literally the quintessential definition of hospitable yeah 100% like, just like um, class act through and through I've I've spent Many drunken nights at Apartment 200 in the past, oh. and she and, and just like when I was partying my face off, and just she would take whatever I said and would just like, and then just push that aside and let me know what needed to happen. And I was just like, okay, okay. you're like, okay, yeah. well, I should leave now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you should. Okay. And that and great. And that's another thing. That's <laughs> and again, not not to like, not to gas up, her up. Yeah, gas up Christina on your show. But also, on top of everything else, an ability to walk, to work in those types of spots, mm-hmm. like Apartment 200, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a fairly high cap, almost like nightclub vibe. 100% nightclub vibe. Yeah. To, <laughs> to, to working in fine dining. Yeah. Um, you know, she was the bar manager when, when the, at the Globe and Mail for like their, their, their in-house bar. Mm-hmm. Um, she can do everything. She has done everything. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she's, she's one of the people who I'm... I'll always be happy I met. She's unreal. Um, she's a Bar Mordecai, if I can plug Bar Mordecai. Yeah, 100%. Uh, go see her. I, used to, I, I had uh, Brian Ho, the, the old executive chef, on uh, a few months ago. Nice. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. But uh, um, he's moved on to different things. Right. Um, and, then the, and then the second person mm-hmm. who I want to call out is Adam Graham. Adam um, Graham, okay. Yeah, who owns Poor Romeo at uh, Gerard mm-hmm. Marjorie. And is a vet, and has also like done everything, and is still bartending. Um, you know, after he's been bartending for like twenty five years or something, Jesus. and he still has more energy than anybody else around him. Bikes everywhere, mm-hmm. um, and and is also 
understands how to build a successful bar hmm. um, and understands how to make his team and his people happy. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the amount of times that you've spoke so highly of poor Romeo, I'm just mm. like, yeah, that's like, even I don't know bars anymore. Like I don't go to bars. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not part of that culture. I haven't been for a couple of years now. And I'm just like, anytime someone's like, oh, there's what, what bar should I hit in poor Romeo? hundred percent. Like yeah. there's, there's no way you won't enjoy yourself. And I'm like, I've never even had a cocktail there or a drink <laughs> or anything there, but yeah. it's like, no, 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 this, yeah, this he's go just go i think yeah and i think that's one of the markers of of their success or you know bars that are successful in toronto hmm. are so because somebody like you who doesn't imbibe can go there and still have a great time yeah it's yeah. it's not just a bar it's a community hub it's like a piazza right you know yep. food is great you go there hang out meet people from the neighborhood yep. uh good vibes only nice yeah nice um we're sitting at about 40 minutes cool maybe wrap her up okay. um end of the episode we do shout outs so mm-hmm. obviously there was a plethora of shout outs in the last five minutes yeah. but um, I feel like the, it most, the, the most, back half of this chat has been just shout outs yeah for, for the most part <laughs> for the most part um, I mean sometimes that happens depending on depending on the guests but um, so poor Romeo obviously but are there are there a couple other restaurants maybe in the neighborhood in the city it doesn't have to necessarily it could be anywhere uh, I'm I'm like I'm an East End guy, so yeah, yeah. they're going to be East End spots. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it'll get it'll get people off their ass and on their bikes, and which get, is great get across the city. The weather's great. Yeah, um, you uh, show up somewhere, you'll be sweaty. They'll give you a cold drink. Yeah, you'll feel better. They give you food. It's good. You can take you can, you can <laughs> start at Park Tail, take the Lakeshore, have a scenic cycle over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stop by Godspeed or Rorschach, pick up a couple road beers. Mm-hmm. Make a day of it. Rorschach's also got some nannies, some non-alcoholics. Yeah, free, yeah. Shout out Free Spirit. Yeah, Free Spirit. Um, which they don't make. They just carry. But, um, okay. Okay. So, Breweries, East, End, East End Spots, Lake Inez. Lake Inez. These guys are next level. Yeah. Um, amazing team there. Um like just lovely hospitality hmm. and a couple different concepts. Uh, if you want to do just snacks and a drink, they have a front patio uh, where you can have a couple glasses of really lovely low intervention wine, some food, hmm. and just continue on your day. Yeah. If you aren't comfortable in bars or restaurants yet, uh, I think they're still doing a weekly takeaway, like five or six course. Cool. And they also have their mystery patio, um, which is pre-booked. <laughs> You done goofed, but you you're never going to be able to get a spot. Uh, well, I mean, on it obviously, they want to have people on it so they can you yeah, know, yeah. make money. Yeah. Um, but it's I know you've sent me pictures of that patio. It is it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's a one of a kind experience. It's by like pre book only. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's around. It's quite affordable. It's like 120 or so per person. But you're getting a six course chef's tasting menu by one of the better chefs in Toronto. Mm. Um, as well as Good. cocktail and wine pairings that are included in the price of your ticket. Buck 20. Yeah. Wow, that's solid. Yeah. And everything is good. plated outdoors, like in the open air, barbecue. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. In front of you. The chefs are delivering everything table side. It's mm-hmm. wicked. Do you need a favor and get me a reservation? Sure. When do you want to go? Right meow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right now. Um, I think it's a... a <laughs> screw it. Screw road. Let's, let's go, son. Let's go. Let's just stop on the bike and go over. Um. Uh, Thursday through Saturday. Uh, anyway, find them on, yeah. on Instagram, Lincoln S. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the second spot is going to be the Comrade. Comrade. Yeah. Number one burger in the Ascent. It's up there. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah, I shouldn't, um, shouldn't say number one. Shouldn't, uh, there are a lot of good burgers I, I, I try, in the I East try End. not to say best or yeah. number one or any of that jazz, it, but it, it's There like, are a lot of good burgers in the yeah, East End, and that's one of them. I mean, there's a reason why it's, the spot has been there for 15 years. It's been there for 15 years, man. Yeah. And, like, like the owners, too, they come into the diner all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm blanking on their names. Nikki and Dean. Thank you. Um, they, they weren't even restaurant people. They, no. They were just like... They're antiquers. I don't know. Let's just, like, kind of do something. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah. And they, you just got into the game? Yeah, they were like, what? I think they were antiques dealers. Yeah. Uh, which is why they have yeah, the, so many interesting things. The taxidermy in there. Why, so crazy. much vintage stuff. Yeah. Like, the, the decor alone They didn't is have worth, to pay for the decor. It's, it's, <laughs> they were just like, I don't know. We couldn't sell any yeah. of this crap. So, <laughs> just put it up I'm, on the I'm wall. I'm pretty sure they could sell it if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, oh, some, 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 of, some of the things. That, some of the things you're like, nobody's going to buy that. Why do you guys even I that? don't know. I, I feel like that... Particularly in the last year and a half, mm-hmm. did they start Instagram selling them? No, they haven't. No, they're no. they're not selling anything that's oh, like okay, in the okay, bar okay. or restaurant. But in the last year and a half, like online vintage businesses mm. have exploded. Really? I'm sure any of the stuff that's in the Comrade would get bought instantly if they had an Instagram account oh, for, for that purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in addition to just being an amazing physical space yeah. and tartar is pretty tasty. Yeah. And and having a great burger and like great food, also like tremendous drinks. Mm. Uh, Jess has been there for something like eight years, and her bar program is awesome. Mm. She has a very loyal cohort of bartenders who also are awesome. Mm. We spoke of our martinis. One of the best martinis I've had in Toronto was at that bar. Uh, okay. Yeah. So okay. it's it's worth a visit, and all like so, oh. They're they're wired so tight. Like I've been there on a slam Saturday night, like ten thirty, eleven o'clock, when they're in the juice, mm. and I've seen one of the bartenders break a glass over a station. Doesn't break a sweat. Doesn't like swear. Doesn't flip out. He just like calmly goes over to Brian. Is like I need to tear down my station, and then does it with like amazing speed. Brian works at twice the speed that he normally does to get all of the dispense drinks out like shredding the game and making it look easy like, you don't even you don't e- you do not even notice like yeah they're pros it's an awesome spot that is that that is such a nice energy to be around too or even even just witness not mm. even not even like work for any of that jazz but it's just like just a witness you're like wow like you can just you flip that and you're like okay let's go dial it in we're dialed yeah further now more i, I now yeah. go yeah Pe- people yeah it, it, it's like it's that detail stuff after you've after you've mastered like your drinks mm. being you have to understand being a hospitality professional it, like the drinks is, is a small part yeah um, and, and being able to deal with those kind of stress situations is is cleanly, is is, is bigger than being able to just make the drink just being out it's I, I think a, it's as important yeah 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 if not I mean you can you can you can you can get better through repetition and practice but like if you don't have the mindset of i have to stay calm mm. and collected and composed even even in a kitchen i think that's that's where that's where there are a, a severe amount of like or severe it seems uh, a, a good amount of um 
of, of similarities front to back where you're like, you can tell when a cook is, is panicking and it's just like, I, I, I don't know, I'll just touch stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're like, yeah, I see that there is all kinds of shenanigans on the board because the server is punched in four tables at once. Oof. Um, That's or, rough. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's less than ideal. Not. Let's say, um, but you can just, and then they're just like, okay, that's um, my hands. I'm just going to, you almost like, at least in my case, at, at, at a certain point, yeah, I've mm-hmm. been cooking for, you know, 13 years now where mm-hmm. it's like, there's certain things, there's certain moments where I'm just like, I'm just going to turn my, turn my thinking off. My hands know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. They know exactly how fast they need to move and what they need to touch. So if I think more about it, and I, I imagine it's it, it can be similar when you're when you're making that drink or executing now, you have to communicate that you have to communicate that to a guest, which you still have to remain personable, yeah, and, and in the moment. I, but, I, I think also dealing with those, those high stress situations in kitchens hmm. is also a very top down kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you remaining calm and steady handed at your station relies also on having a CDC who's like expoing properly mm-hmm. and having someone from the front of house who's expoing properly mm-hmm. like that that's a big factor and being yeah. able to like trust on your teammates in the kitchen to like put up the food yeah we know at the same, exactly. we know what's happening yeah so like teamwork is much more of a probably much more of a factor just because kitchen teams I think on balance are bigger in front of than bar teams yeah depending, yeah. Depending well yeah bars is usually what one to three people one to three yeah yeah Usually on the one or two side. Yeah. 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 But uh, thank you very much. Uh, mm, thanks for having me. Really appreciate you sitting down and and talking to us meatballs. Um, love you. Appreciate you. Likewise. Uh, and bye for now, everybody. Talk to you next week. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening. As always, if you have any comments or concerns, please hit us up at Meatball Thoughts on Instagram or email meatballthoughts at gmail.com. We love you and appreciate your support. Bye for now.